right. Now, this is where, this is where I get in trouble. And you know I'm okay with that, so. Do you want the joke or not? Because last, you really, you treated poorly. You treated me poorly last week. I told the other services that you treated me poorly. I really did. Um, you sure? All right. Well, there's some things that hit me. You know, there, there'll just be times when I'll be sitting and, and these deep thoughts will come into my head. And it just hit me that dwarves and midgets have very little in common. Are you not there yet? Very little in common. Ah, yeah. I think it's funny, but I don't know if I should laugh. Am I allowed to laugh at that? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I use that for actually for a reason. Because there's a lot of things that go on today in the church that just should not be there. And I'm going to give you an example before we even get into the message today. Because it really fits with where we're going in this whole series with First and Second Corinthians. I told you that everybody's going to be uncomfortable. I promise you, I don't care if you are, let's, let's assume you are the best Christian in the room. You're the best Christian in this church, okay? You are elite. You're going to get smoked during this series, all right? I don't care. I don't care where you think you are. So nobody's going to walk out of this series going, well, I'm good. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And, uh. But last week, somebody actually put it in words. And I don't know if you know this, but words actually mean things. This, this is kind of a new idea for a lot of this generation. But we got a phone call, and a, the, they were, they were they're not angry, but they're, they did not like our position on a particular sin. And I'm, it doesn't matter. You, we, we're going to cover them all. We cover them all every week. doesn't matter. But this was what she said. She said, no, 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 because we said, listen, everybody's welcome at Tomoka. Everybody's welcome. But the goal is to come in and get right with Jesus. And the comment was, oh, you, you want to change us. And, no, I don't want to change anybody. That's between you and Jesus. That's none of my business. But the caller said, no, if you don't condone what I believe, then we won't go to church there. So I, being me, looked up the word condone on your behalf. Because I'm sure they don't know what it means. Do you want to know what the word condone means? Or would you like to look it up? I'll tell you. You came all this way. It means to accept something that is morally wrong. Words mean things. So they might even want to look at their own words. But maybe you and I have the same problem. Because if you're here and you think, well, you know, I, 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 want, I want them to condone what I'm doing, then I wouldn't be preaching the, the truth to you. And God holds me accountable for what I say. I'm responsible for your blood. And I don't, that scares me to death. People ask me, they always ask me backstage, I said, I'm terrified. Every time I walk out on stage, they said, four times? I said, every time. You don't bother me. I've gotten over you. I can handle that. I can handle the cameras wherever you guys are. I can handle that. But knowing that I am responsible to the creator of the universe who gave us one little book to obey, and I am literally, your souls, I'm responsible. What you do with it, that is up to you. That is completely up to you. 
but I am responsible for your souls. So defining God is absolutely essential. And I was watching one of my little things on TikTok this week, and there was a guy going around, and I don't know where he was, doesn't matter, because I don't think it would matter, but he said, I will give you $20 if you can quote a Bible verse. People walked away, people flipped him off, people cursed at him, and one guy, one guy, at the end, he goes, I've waited all day for this. He goes, how many you want? And he just started quoting scripture. I mean, all over the place, Old Testament, New Testament. But why so much hatred toward the body? They don't even know what's in it. They can't give you a line from it, but they know they hate God. They probably just would tell you they don't even believe in God, but they hate God. They hate the Bible. They hate what we have. So it's important that you and I know who God really is. Would you agree with that? All right. So if you'll stand out of respect for the word. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. So here we go. I always thank my God for you. This is Paul writing to this church that's got all these problems. He said, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. So Paul's expecting Jesus. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into this fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. You can be seated. So last week, he, we started with that greeting, and now Paul feels like he needs to tell them. Now, why would he need to explain this? Well, for the same reason that in our culture, when you go out and they interview these people, they're like, well, which God? Because the Assyrians had a God and the Romans had a God. And Okay, it's all true. So at least they were smart enough to know they didn't create themselves. But if you look at every false god, it's either a person or it's a thing. It's the moon, it's Saturn, it's Jupiter, it's, uh, you know, in this particular case, we showed you last week the huge temple that's there in Corinth where they worship Jupiter. They literally worship, they believe that all power was coming from a planet, uh, whether it's horoscopes, astrology, but it's all idolatry. There's only one God. But Paul, addressing this Greek culture that worships Saturn, Pluto, all these other gods. And, and, all, and it always involves sexual perversion. I don't care what religion, quote unquote, it is. It always involves sexual perversion. But in the context here, Paul's like, I got to start out by making sure they remember that I'm not talking about Jupiter. I'm not talking about Neptune, that I am talking about the living God. And so he lays it out, who he is. The, Jesus who's coming back, Jesus who is the creator. But he says he is the God of all grace. Again, writing to a church that is perverted and messed up in every conceivable way. And Paul said he's the God of grace. See, I'm not sure people understand this. This is what no other religion offers grace. No other religion offers forgiveness. 
if you have a religion, it's always works-based. Hopefully, my good deeds will outdo my bad deeds. And we've talked about the fact that that'll never be the case because your thoughts have already thrown you out the door. So that's, that's not going to happen. Only Jesus offers forgiveness for the past, the present, and the future. What Jesus did on the cross, the blood that was shed, his resurrection, proving himself to be the living word of God, you and I accepting him, repenting, being baptized, all that process unfolds and connects us to God so that we can receive his grace. The word grace means getting what you don't deserve. Mercy? Mercy is when you're not punished. But grace is when you get what you absolutely don't deserve. You know what? If God just said, you know what, Joe? I'll make you a deal. I'm just going to wipe you off the face of the earth and let you go into oblivion. Or you can go to hell. Would you take that deal? I would. Would you like to stand before me, an all-holy God, on what you've done? Or I can just wipe you into oblivion. I'll take oblivion because I don't want to go to hell. That's mercy. Grace says, Joe, all of you, I love you so much that I went to the cross so that in spite of everything you've done, you can still go to heaven. Nobody offers this. This is purely Christianity. This is Jesus. This is the core of the whole story. And Paul says to these people who remember, they're justified, they're right with God, but they are a long way away in the sanctification process. There's a lot of things they've got to work on, just like all of us have to do. But in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, it says we are saved by grace through faith. Now, what's the purpose? It's not of ourselves. It's not of works so that no man can boast. It is the free gift of God. Free. Well, it wasn't free for Jesus, but it's free to us. So the price that Jesus paid covers all of our sin so that you and I can go to heaven. And again, I've told you many times, it's so much easier to serve from a position of I've already saved than it is to think I got to do more to hoping that I'm going to be saved. I've sat with pastors on their deathbed that would say to me, Joe, do you think I lived a good life? And I'd say, no. I mean, because that's our default. Our default is always to go back to, did I do enough? No, you didn't. You, you weren't good enough. You weren't morally good enough. Nothing you did was good enough. But Jesus was good enough. And that's why I go on mission trips. And that's why we're willing to give away money and food and time and whatever else that somebody needs. Because we already know we're going to heaven. The race is already won. All you got to do is stay in the race. Makes it a whole lot easier than trying to figure out how to win, doesn't it? It's already done for us. Only Jesus offers that. And so Paul wants to make sure that they understand that. Now, I would be amiss if I didn't spend a moment talking about the Stanley thermoses at this point. All right. Can I ask, how many of you got a pink one? Anybody get a pink one? I'm looking. I need to get one. But I just it's not my color, really. Um, but my dad used the Stanley thermos his whole life. I would dare say my mother still has it somewhere and probably has coffee in it from when dad retired in 86 and it's probably still hot. But that's, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, dad, dad always used one. But you know, 
there's a lesson to be learned here, so pay attention, church. Stanley's been around forever. I don't know. My dad's working in, I guess, the 60s. Dad had a Stanley, Stanley thermos his whole work career, 45, 50 years, whatever it was. You know what Stanley did? They put themselves in front of a new audience. Nothing changed, same thermos. They painted it pink. And all of a sudden, people are killing each other to buy it. <laughs> Pay attention, church. You and I have heard the gospel many times. But there's a lot of people never heard it. Some of them live next door to you, and some of them live on the other side of the world. But we need to not keep trying to beat up the same people and say, you know what? I'll keep praying for them, but I'm going to go tell somebody else. Because if Stanley teaches us anything, you just got to get out in front of a new customer base. And all of a sudden, you can, you can have millions of new things open up in front of you. All kinds of customers are moving into this community all the time. And they don't know about the grace of God. Even if they grew up in church... They probably grew up in some kind of a works-based system where they thought, I hope I'm good enough at the end. And you and I get to invite them to come and hear about a God who is all about grace. Spencer Haywood, let me show you this picture real quick. But uh, Spencer Haywood had a choice. He was a great basketball player back in my day. I hate to admit that. But uh, he was given a choice uh, back in 76 he could take $100,000 in a shoe contract or he could have 10% of the company. And he needed the money and who knew what Nike was going to become. So he took the 100000 Right now, his shares would be $2.6 The question is, are you and I so busy trying to grab what's here now? That we're not grabbing a what God has prepared for all of eternity. But not only is he the grace giver, he's the gift provider. Now, if you didn't see that, Paul said, he said, God has provided every gift that this church needs to survive. And I have said this to this church when it ran a hundred, when it runs whatever we run now. God has given everything we need right here. Every talent, every ability, every prayer, every teacher, every mission trip goer, every, every dollar, everything that Tomoka Christian Church needs to fulfill the vision that God has for this church, right here. The question is just, will you and I utilize what God's given us? Now, when you look at the spiritual gifts, and we'll spend a long time with this later, months later, months from now, uh, when Paul gets into this, everybody wants to go to a couple of gifts. Everybody wants to talk about speaking in tongues. We will. Uh, everybody wants to talk, uh, you know, about about healing, you know. And I believe God can heal anybody he wants. And I pray for healing for people all the time. But if you really have the gift of healing, why does Advent Hospital sit there? Go get my friends out of there. Okay? That's just, I'm being, I'm being real. All right? So it's amazing, though. Everybody wants that gift. Everybody wants the gift of speaking in tongues or the gift of healing or the gift of prophecy. Those are the three that everybody wants. How about the gift of helps? How about the gift of hospitality? How about the gift of giving? How about the gift of teaching? They're all gifts. And Paul said, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Well, what are those greater gifts? Whatever God has for you and me. 
whatever God has for us. So rather than thinking, I got to have this and got to have this and got to have this, it's real easy. You know, we have gift tests. We will put you through a spiritual gift test and go, oh, look, you're a teacher. But I could spend five minutes with you and tell you what your spiritual gift is. And I can do this. I mean, I've taken a dozen of these things. My spiritual gifts have never changed from when I was 18 years old till now. And it's like there's like 10 different things that you can score on. And I score 2% all the way across the board until you get to two things and I go up to the top. Well, I know it's not me. So whatever that gifting is, is from him. James said that God, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. God's the one that gifts us. It's, it is our responsibility to use those gifts. Now, again, in the Corinthian church, they're going to misuse every one of them. And we'll, we'll spend months talking about all this. Um, because they say, well, I have this gift, so I'm better than you. And I have this gift, so I'm better than you. And I wish I had this, and I'm this. And you name it, they got, they got it going down. But God has uniquely gifted each one of us. And you have a gift that, to do what nobody else can do. And let me tell you why. Because you know people that nobody else knows. You have a gift and you know people that don't know Jesus. They don't know about the grace. And I don't know them at all. How am I going to impact them? But you know them. You're watching at home. You know them. Who's going to be the one to share the gospel with them, share the invitation to come to church, share the invitation to come to my small group, somehow to get involved, to be a part of what we're doing. Now, when you get into the gifts, um, there's a whole list of things, and I think there's a whole lot more gifts than, than what are listed. Um, because I'll give you an example. Music is not even listed. Well, would you say the people on, that were leading worship are, are gifted? Pretty, pretty, pretty much, and, and if you're backstage, you would know how much praise they give God for, for everything. So there's a lot of things like that didn't even exist 2,000 years ago that you might be gifted with today. You know, I don't think Paul needed, had a computer. So you may have computer skills. Okay, how do I use that for God? But it's not, it's not about that. It's about me using what I do have. It's not about me saying, well, I wish I had their gift or I wish I had their gift because that's the kind of stuff that pagans do. That's not what Christians do. Christians say, you know what? This is the gift I got. I'm going to use it. And you know what? Sometimes people giving $100 is a bigger sacrifice than somebody that gave $100,000. Because the issue is about the sacrifice. The issue is about the obedience. And it, it, it's, it's not about comparing myself to you or comparing our church against some other church. No, we are responsible for the gifts that God has given us to minister to this community and to the world in our time. I'll give you a clue. The church in Corinth doesn't exist. You know, Corinth's gone. The city's gone. There, I mean, there is a, a, a new area there now. But this particular area is gone. The people are gone. There's no church there. Uh, they did whatever they had to do. You and I want to make sure that we get done what we have to get done in our lifetime. Does that make sense to everybody? And God's gifted you. It, it, right, right now you're going, I, I bet there's not a one of you that's going, I don't know what I'm gifted. You're sitting there going, yeah, I'm a teacher. You're like, yeah, I'm a giver. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm a cook. You know. 
So the question is, am I using it for God, and am I using it for God to its fullest potential? That's, that's really uh, the question. And then the last part, and, and this is so important for all of us to hear in the modern church, and obviously Paul thought so in the Corinthian church too, and that is not only is he the grace giver and the gift provider, but he is the God of faithfulness. How many of you fail God? I read Hebrews 11, and I read about all the heroes of, of the faith. It's fun to read. Um, you know, and you, you think, man, they had it all together. Go back and read their stories. I, uh, Numbers is a hard book to read, but I, I spent a day in it the other day. And once you get past all the numbers, which is kind of at the beginning, there's a narrative story that plays out. And in the narrative... Moses is leading these people. There's, we don't know, two or three million people, maybe five million people. We don't know how many people. There were 600,000 men who were fighting age. That's what we do know. The whole book of Numbers is everybody complaining and griping and whining at God and then at God through Moses. The entire book. And Moses is exhausted by the whole thing. He can't believe it. Every time they do a miracle, God does another miracle. They come right back. I mean, you turn the page, go to the next chapter, and they're like, they're complaining again and again and again. And so we look at Moses and we think, oh, man, if I could have just been Moses, I don't know. I don't think so. If I could have just been David, no, I don't think so. If I could have just been Esther, no, I don't think so. I think all of them came with their own problems, too. And all of them struggled with being faithful. Moses got really angry many times. Moses told God, he said, I'm sick of these people. He said, I can't imagine how you feel about them because I'm sick of them. We all struggle. But Paul says, but God is faithful, guys. Well, that's good to know. That while I'm failing, God's still faithful. And what is God faithful at? Being a grace giver. Being a gift provider. See, he's still there. He doesn't change. He doesn't say... Oh, you slipped up today. You're out. See ya. No, it doesn't work that way. He's like, yeah, I knew you'd mess up. That's why I died. And God is faithful. He's, he goes over that like twice for them. Why is it important for them? Because they're a church that's a long way from being perfect, kind of like us. Wouldn't you agree with that? Deuteronomy says this. It says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. That's interesting. The living God, the God you worship, and it's his covenant name, Yahweh. Uh, he is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Now notice the last part. Thousand, thousand years, he's faithful, but there is a condition. We've got to be faithful and we've got to obey his commandments. So we can't condone things. We go back to where we started. We can't say, oh, that's okay. No, we're glad you're here. Now we'd like to see Jesus clean you up the same way he's trying to clean me up. And the same way he's trying to clean up everybody here. We don't condone sin, but Jesus did forgive it. That's the beautiful thing about the gospel. Now, I'm going to put up a slide. And uh, there's going to be three of them. We've, we've been kind of doing this regularly. 
And I want you to read this with me, all right? And then we'll, I'll tell you how we're going to finish. So read, read this with me. A liberal church says you are welcome here and you do not have to clean up your life. A legalistic church says you are not welcome here until you clean up your life. Jesus says you are welcome here and I will change your life from the inside out. That's pretty good, isn't it? So everybody's welcome. But the whole point of all of us getting together is to let God change our lives. Now listen, we're going to finish here. And uh, there's folks out in room three, the guidance point. Uh, If you need prayer, if you need to accept Jesus online, you can hit the button. I've decided Um, we're finishing differently. Uh, You didn't see what was going on right before the service. And you can be grateful for that. Because what the, the worship team did was pull off a literal miracle. Nothing was working. The technology was not cooperating, and they really came out on a prayer and put the whole thing together for you. And it was truly amazing. Not to mention the fact that several of them are very sick. And so they did the closing song during communion. So you are so good, you've already finished the service. All right? So I'm going to pray, and uh, please stop by those mission tables. So, God, I thank you so much. We are so blessed by a God of grace, a God who gives us gifts, and we want to use those gifts for you, and a God who remains faithful to us even when we often fail you. Now, Lord, we want to be better. We are working on that process of becoming more like you. So, Lord, put those gifts to work in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.